Grace, mercy, peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. We've made it. We have made it to the last Sunday of the church year. Christ the King Sunday, the Sunday of the fulfillment. The last few weekends we've been hearing our gospel lesson about end times. Various parables of talents, of wise and foolish virgins, and now parable of sheep and goats. You know, there are two kinds of people in this world. There are the wise and the otherwise. There are those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. Any Clint Eastwood fans? The good, the bad, the ugly? Okay. There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who finish their sentences and those who... Lo and behold, Jesus points that out too. There are two kinds of people. Those who are saved and those who are damned. And there is no joke about it. He's serious, and he's serious about our preparations. This last parable is the last teaching of Jesus before he goes into his passion in the Gospel of Matthew. Then comes Monday, Thursday. Then comes Good Friday. He is teaching his disciples to be prepared, that, to expect what's going to be coming here at the end of the world. Now, in all of these end-of-time parables, I'm tempted to ask, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to be prepared? What do I need to do to have that oil? What do I need to do with these talons? What do I need to do so that I'm a sheep and not a goat? What do I need to do? But that's always the wrong question. Because it's nothing that I can do. Because if it is, then I could never be sure. I could never be sure that I would enter into the glory of the Father because I couldn't be sure that I did enough or that I did it right or that I dotted my I's and crossed my T's and ended up as a sheep and not a goat. There are two kinds of people in this world those who will live eternally with the glory of God in heaven and those who will suffer eternally in a place made for the devil. I'm going to take us back into the parable and notice how Jesus presents heaven and this judgment with a capital J. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and that's the Son of Man in his glory, Christus, victor, the victorious Christ, he will judge. He'll sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all the peoples of the world and then he'll separate them. Now notice he doesn't call them and pronounce them in this instance because they've already been judged. The sheep are already sheep. The goats are already goats. He's simply having them separated. He'll place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say the most beautiful words 
we will ever hear. Come. Come is an invitation. An invitation is mostly grace, especially if you don't expect it. An invitation to a birthday party, an invitation to a Christmas party, an invitation to a retirement party. These are all gracious things that come to us without us being good or kind or anything. They just come to us. And so the invitation comes from the king. Come, he says, not as a summons, but as a gracious invitation. Come, and this is what makes all the difference. It's not me and what I do. It's the pronouncement of what God is and who he is and what he has done. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. That's what gets us into sheepdom. That's what gets us into heaven. Being blessed by the Father, that is what makes all the difference in the eternal world. You who are blessed in the waters of baptism. You who are blessed in the hearing of the word. You who feed richly in the pastures of body and blood of the Son. You who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Before the foundation of the world. This is a gracious invitation. And then he gives some evidence. Ah, I was thirsty. I was hungry. I was a stranger. I was naked. I was sick. I was in prison. And they, they have no idea. This is the glory of the goodness of God. We didn't see you in all of this, say the sheep. Oh, but I was there. Faith makes all the difference. I talk about faith as something that can't be seen. I, I wish we all had faithometers on our forehead because that way pastors could tell who needs a little encouragement, who needs some, some straightening up. But we don't. But I find that faith leaves tracks. Faith leaves tracks all over our lives, all over our families' lives, all over our workplace, our school. Faith leaves tracks. And that's how the sick get visited, how the thirsty get a drink, how the hungry get food. Not because it's something we must do. It's because faith leaves tracks. If we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, it will show, it will leave its tracks. It will leave them all over the neighborhood. And we find the lack of tracks in the law part of the statement. Oh, then he'll say to those on his left, the most horrible words a mortal person could ever hear. Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire. And here's where it gets interesting. An eternal fire not prepared for you because you were rebellious and obstinate. No. The eternal fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. God would never do that to the crown of his creation, Adam and Eve, humanity. He wouldn't prepare a place for them. But those who joined the devil and his angels, yeah, they go where they are told. I was a stranger. And they ask, 
they asked. This is kind of interesting. So they get the, the, uh, the pronouncement, depart from me. And, and I would think they would call on the mercy of the judge because they know the mercy of the judge. They would ask for forgiveness. They would plead for, please, more time. But they don't. They say in the parable, oh, really? Prove it. And God provides the receipts. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. When I was uh, unclothed, you did not clothe me. You did not visit me. And they'll answer, oh, when did this happen? When you didn't do this to the least of my brothers. When you left no tracks because your faith wasn't there. Then you have nothing to stand on. And so we come to the end of our church year. We have this courtroom scene. We see that the trial is already over. Only the sentencing is left. And it's done by Christ the King who is the good shepherd. Shepherding sheep from goats. Come, he says to the sheep. Depart, he says to the goats. What a horrible, horrible way to find out that your life had nothing to produce. Paul exclaims, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, to leave tracks wherever we go. Jesus, the Son of Man, our coming King, has come, and now through means of grace, word and sacrament, the Son comes to us and in his glory and all the angels with him. But now, now is the time. You want to make sure? Look for tracks. Look for the work of the Holy Spirit in the waters of baptism. Look for the work of the Holy Spirit in calling and gathering and enlightening. Look for the works of the Holy Spirit. For if you do not see them, then you need to come to a better understanding of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. Because now is the time of salvation. Now is the time for us to get it together, to strengthen our work produced by faith, our labor prompted by love, and our endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we daily draw on the power and the strength of God supplied through his word and his sacrament. It's for us. It's readily available. And we don't need to ask, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Because God has done it all. More than that, he's delivered it to you. And he allows you to live in his grace and his hope and his promise. And so when we stand before his glorious throne, we will await that great invitation. Come, you who are blessed by the Father, enter into eternal life. Amen.